Welcome, thanks for joining us. You're about to hear a message from our Wednesday night Solid Rock Youth Group service. Solid Rock is a ministry of Living Word Family Church, and if you'd like to know more, check us out on our website at www.livingwordfamily.org. Thank you, Zach. Thank you, Sarah. Praise God. All right. So, who remembers what we talked about last week? There we go. The authority, yeah, the authority of the Word. Why can we trust the Bible? And what it boils down to is that it is the spoken, inspired Word of God, direct from the Creator, so we can trust the Word, all right? The authority of the Word. The Word has authority in our lives. We can trust what it says. We can trust the promises in His Word. So when we read something like Philippians 4.13, it says, what? Yeah, very good. Wow, impressed. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Now, if you're going through a battle or something like that, like uh, Sarah was just talking about at the end of worship there, that's a verse you can stand on. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can get through anything because of Jesus. I can have peace in my life because of Jesus. Now, how do you know that? We know it because we read it in the Word, right? So... We have to know where the Word came from and how it came about to be able to trust what it says. Okay? We have to understand these things. Because without knowing who wrote the book and where it came from, these are just letters on a page. These are just words, stories, passages, clever sayings. But when you know the author and you understand how this was inspired, divinely inspired, it then becomes more than just words on a page. It becomes more than just a collection of stories and letters and clever, wise sayings from kings of old. It becomes the living, breathing word of God. What do, I, what do I mean by I say living and breathing? Does that mean it changes? No. The word never changes. God doesn't change. In him there is no shadow of turning. God is who he is, yesterday, today, and forever. When I say the living, breathing word of God, that means it's active. His word becomes active in your life when you know it, when you apply it, when you speak it over yourself. That's the difference knowing the author. That's the difference that it makes when you know who wrote this book. And that's why last week we said the Word of God has authority in our lives. Right? The Word has authority in our lives. So when we read a promise in the Word of God, when we read about the trials that we're all going to face, we know that we can lean on Jesus. We know that we've got the power, the wisdom, the joy, the peace, everything that God gives us. Because we can trust His Word. We can trust in his word. I want you to turn with me. We're going to be in a passage tonight for a good chunk of the evening. Uh, we're going to be in John chapter 1. John chapter 1. And I'm going to read something interesting. Tonight, we're going to talk about a pivotal person in the word. Who do you think we're going to talk about? Who's a pivotal person? What's that? Hey, good guess because we're in the book of John. <laughs> That's all right. Who is the most pivotal person in all of the Bible? Jesus. Everything, everything, 
everything revolves around Jesus. Uh, I started getting, picking up a Bible for our seniors uh, a number of years ago called the Jesus-Centered Bible. Now, and of course, we see Jesus all through the New Testament, right? Obviously, that's where we're introduced to him, right? But did you know the entire Old Testament centers around Jesus and God's uh, plan of redemption and salvation? Everything in this book, from front to back, revolves around Jesus, even if it's not abundantly clear to us by reading it. It all revolves around Jesus. Now, I want you to see something very, very interesting here. When we turn in John chapter 1, we're going to look at the first five verses here for a few minutes. Look at this. In the beginning. When? The beginning. The beginning of what? Time. Everything. The beginning of all things. Right. In the beginning, the Word already existed. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. Now that word, in my Bible, is capitalized. The word, word, is capitalized. There's significance to that. It's a name. He existed. Did you catch that? Verse 2. He existed in the beginning with God. It just gave a pronoun to the word. It said he. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through him, and nothing was created except through him. The Word gave life to everything that was created, and His life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. So what do we see here? We see the Word was with God from the beginning. From the beginning, the Word was with God. That's pretty exciting, isn't it? To know and understand that, that the Word of God was from the beginning. God knew everything that was going to happen. From the moment He spoke the universe in, ex, into existence, He had your face in His heart. He had you on His mind. It's pretty incredible. We're going to go over to verse 10. Actually, before we go to verse 10, sorry, I had made a note here, I almost forgot to mention uh, in that verse 1 through 5, when it talks about he existed in the beginning with God, the Word was God, uh, in my commentary, in my notes, remember last week I said to get yourself a good study Bible, the Word is Jesus Christ. Remember I said it, it said he, the Word, he was with God. That was Jesus. It's referring to Jesus when it says the Word. Jesus is the Word of God. Jesus Christ, the eternal, ultimate expression of God. In the Old Testament, God spoke the world into existence. In the good news, God spoke his final word through the living word, his son. The phrase, the word was God, attributes deity, which is uh, uh, godliness, to the word without defining all of the Godhead as the word. So what it's saying there is saying that Jesus is the word. The word is Jesus. When God spoke the word, it was when he spoke everything into existence, the word Jesus was right there. Not the word Jesus, but Jesus as the word of God. The, the, the expression of God was right there in creation from the beginning, right there with God. But I love it. If you're taking notes, write that down. The word was in the beginning with God. Jesus, the expression of God. The eternal expression of God. Pretty incredible to think about it that way. Now look at this in verse 10. He came into the very world that he created, but the world did not recognize him. 
He came to his own people. Who were his own people? Who were God's own people in the Old Testament? I know some of you know it, Jeremy. What's that? Nope. Who's, who were God's people? Nope. Just The Israelites. Yeah, the Jews. Right, the Jews. So what is this saying in verse 10 here? Is he came into the very world that he created, but the world at large did not recognize him as the creator. And why would they, right? Born in a stable, born in a manger. Pretty lowly birth for the creator of the universe. But his own people who knew the signs and times, they knew it was getting close to that the Messiah was coming soon, and even they, even the Jews, did not, did not uh, recognize him or they, they rejected him. And verse 12 says, But to all who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. Now that right there is pretty incredible. So here the entire world that God spoke into existence, that God created, when Jesus came onto the scene, the world didn't recognize him. They didn't recognize him as the creator. Right? This is why they crucified him. This is why they tortured him. And the Jews rejected him. The Jews who are the people of God rejected the Savior. Why? Because they had their own twisted ideas about what the Savior would look like and what he would do when he got here. Did you know that many Jews expected Jesus to come on this white horse as a military Savior to conquer Rome? Because you remember, for those of you who know your Bible history, at this time when Jesus came onto the scene, Israel, along with most of the known world, was ruled by Rome. Rome was the big dog in the world. The Roman Empire was vast. And that's, they were, they were, the Israelites were being oppressed under Roman rule for many, many, it was, I know it was hundreds of years, it was a long time. And so they're expecting Jesus, they see, and they see uh, 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 some of the prophecies from the prophets throughout the Old Testament, their, their Bible, their book, their religious book, and they're expecting this military-style conqueror to come and set them free from the grip of Rome. So when Jesus comes on the scene, who was pretty much the opposite of that, they rejected him whole cloth. Now there were some who recognized and they believed him, and they, uh, they began to follow him. So that's why in verse 12 it says, But to all who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. Jesus gave the right for them to become children of God. That is pretty incredible. It's a pretty authoritative statement, wouldn't you say? And verse 13 says, They are reborn not with a physical birth resulting from human passion or plan, but a birth that comes from God. It's a spiritual Rebirth. When Jesus was talking to Nicodemus, and Nicodemus says, what do you mean by born again? What am I supposed to do, be born from my mother again? Uh, it's a pretty interesting conversation because Nicodemus was having a hard time wrapping his mind around this phrase, being reborn. And what Jesus was saying, not physically reborn, but spiritually reborn. Jesus was given authority by God to come and make children of God. 
Does that make sense? So Jesus, the Word who existed with God from the beginning, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, Jesus was there, the very expression of God in creation. And he is now here on the scene teaching and preaching and sharing the good news that God is here among you, giving you the right to become sons and daughters of God. But when you do that, when you accept Jesus Christ, when you believe on him, when you trust in him, when you receive that free gift of salvation, what does it say? You are reborn, spiritually reborn. So the word became human. Sorry, verse 14. So the word became human and made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. And we have seen his glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. In the beginning, it's the Word. And then you see in verse 14, the Word, Jesus, became flesh. Why is that important? Why is that important? I'm going to tell you why. Because God works through man on this earth. Would you agree? If you look through the entire Old Testament, God didn't just swing his arm and start doing everything on his own. He worked through people. Why? Because from the beginning, God gave authority to man. What did God do? God created and said, Adam, Eve, this is yours. I'm giving it to you. This is what made the original sin so devastating. Not just the fact that Adam and Eve sinned against God and they became separated from God, but everything under their authority, the whole world, this planet, was then separated from God and given over to the enemy, given over to Satan. Now God still has authority because he is the creator. He is the builder. He is the architect, right? So he owns it all. It belongs to him. But because he gave man authority over the earth, he works through man for his will to be done. So Jesus had to come this way. Jesus had to be born here on earth to be both God and man, to be both God and flesh. Does that make sense? It had to happen that way. That was God's design. That was God's plan. So that Jesus was here on earth and said, the Father has given me authority to do what I am doing today. The Father has given him authority. He was from the beginning. Jesus, the Word of God. That is pretty incredible. Now in verse 15 it says, John testified about him when he shouted to the crowds, this is the one I was talking about when I said someone is coming after me who will be far greater than I am, for he existed long before me. So a lot of people didn't recognize Jesus for who he was. Who are they seeing? They're seeing a carpenter's son. They're seeing some plain person, some guy from Nazareth. Can anything good come out of Nazareth? That's what Nathaniel said. He was one of the disciples. Just as Jesus was calling him, or when he first heard about Jesus, he heard Jesus from Nazareth, and he's like, can anything good come out of Nazareth? This guy was as plain as you can get. Okay? From earthly standards. 
This is why so many people rejected him, because he was not this great savior that they were expecting. He was lowly, he was humble, but he was both God and man. Born of the Holy Spirit, through Mary, became flesh. God became flesh. He put aside his glory and was born a humble birth here on earth. But because of that, he was given the authority. Because of that, he had authority here on earth because he was born here, right? He was born here on earth, so he had authority here on earth. And God gave him even greater authority, and we're going to talk about that a little bit more next week. But this is incredible. This is incredible to know that this word spoken by God has authority. The same authority we see given to Jesus. Jesus and the word are one. So when you spend time in the word of God, you are literally spending time with Jesus. You are getting to know Jesus. You are getting to know God's plan. You are getting to know the character of our creator. The authority of the Word and the authority of Jesus go hand in hand. So, when Jesus tells you to do something, when Jesus tells you to live a certain way, it is very important that you pay attention. It is very important that you pay attention. When Jesus says to flee temptation, listen and pay attention. When Jesus says, do not look with lust upon another person, pay attention. Jesus is giving you all kinds of excellent teaching, and he's showing you the way to live your life, but you have to be in his word. This is the primary way that we get to know Jesus, is by reading his word, this word that existed from the beginning. And we know we can take it seriously. Matthew 28, 18. First book in the New Testament. Matthew 28. I'm talking about you guys aren't flipping pages. You're in your phone. Matthew 28. So turn in your phone Bible in Matthew 28. And we're going to look at verse 18. Now listen to what Jesus tells his disciples. Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Did you catch that? I have been given authority in heaven and on earth. He's been given all authority in heaven because he is the Son of God. He has been there since the beginning. Part of the Godhead. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Jesus was there from the beginning, so he's been given all authority in heaven. He was given that authority by God himself. And then he says, and on earth. Why? Because he was born here. So not only did he create this world, but he was born into this world. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands that I have given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the ends of the age. Now listen, why do you think it was important in verse 18 
for Jesus to tell them that he's been given all authority in heaven and on earth just before he gives them the great commission and sends them out. Why do you suppose he did that? Do you think it was important for them to know when they're being sent out into possibly dangerous situations to share the truth of the good news of Christ? That they would need to know the person they are following, the person they are serving, the person that they are putting their trust in has the authority to do what he says he's going to do? Don't you think that would be pretty important? So Jesus says, I'm getting ready to send you out. You are going to make disciples all over the world. You are going to start churches. You are going to build uh, uh, communities of believers. You are going to go into places that are very, very dangerous. But you're going there for a purpose. It's to make disciples. It's to share the gospel. It's to share the good news that I have come to seek and save that which was lost. Who was lost? We were. Who came to save us? Jesus did. He was given authority from heaven to come down to earth, give up his godly glory, and be born as a lowly infant in a manger, in a stable, around animals, about as humble a birth as you can have. Born sinless, died for us to take our sin away. Jesus says, you are going to share this message and there are going to be people who are going to fight you tooth and nail to stop you. But know this, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth to help you do this. This is trustworthy. And we know that and when Jesus sends us out, when he teaches us, when he instructs us from the word, we can trust it, and we know that Jesus has been given authority. And next week, we're going to see how he gives us authority. And that, my friends, is what helps you to fulfill the Great Commission. Because you're in here tonight. You may think you're here to hang out with friends and play games, maybe listen to a couple scriptures, maybe sing a song, I guess I'll go ahead and do that since I'm here at church, but I really want to play ping-pong baseball with my friends. You may think you're here for that reason, but I've got news for you. Every Wednesday night when you're here and you're listening to the Word of God and you are getting into this with us, God is putting something on the inside of your heart that's more powerful than spending time with your friends. It's more powerful than some fun on a Wednesday night playing ping-pong, baseball, or whatever all weird game you guys come up with next. He's putting something on the inside of your heart that will literally transform your life forever if you let it. See, it changed his disciples. It straight up changed the entire trajectory of their lives. We had fishermen who put down their nets and followed after Jesus. We had tradesmen who put down their tools and followed after Jesus. We had businessmen that put away everything and followed after Jesus. We had people from all shapes and sizes, stripes, backgrounds that put it all away and behind them to follow after Jesus. Their entire life changed the moment they started to follow Jesus. Jesus gave them authority. He gave them power to do his will on this earth because God works through people and he wants to work through you as well. And we know that Jesus has given us the authority to do that and we're going to talk about that next week.
All right, I'm going to go ahead and close this out in prayer. Uh, but before I do that, if you are in this place tonight and you have never made Jesus the Lord of your life, and I, what I mean by that is that you have never prayed that sinner's prayer, you have never confessed your sins to God and gotten right before God and, and accepted the salvation that Jesus gives us through the cross. His sacrifice on that cross was for you, for me. And if you have never prayed that prayer, I don't want you to leave tonight without praying. It's a simple prayer. I will lead you in that prayer. It's nothing to be scared of. It's nothing to be nervous about. We'll talk over, we'll pray, and you will leave tonight being reborn, like we just read about a moment ago. Not reborn in the natural, not reborn from your mom again, but reborn spiritually. Your spirit will be reborn, and sin will no longer have a grip on you the way it has before. You will be a new creation in Christ Jesus. The old things have passed away. The old person is dead and gone. You'll still look the same on the outside, but you are a whole new person on the inside. And the trajectory of your life will change from this day forward when you give your heart to Jesus. So if that's you tonight, I do not want you to leave this room without talking to me and praying with me. All right? All right. Heavenly Father, thank you for your presence in this place. Father, we are so thankful that we have a, the authority of your word, that we can read your word, we can trust your word, we know it is true. We can apply it to our lives, we can speak it over our lives, we can trust what it says, and we can trust your promises because we read them in your word. And we thank you, Father God, that you sent your word, you sent Jesus on to this earth to seek and save that which was lost. That is me, that is us, was us. We were lost, Father but now we are found. We are saved through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. And Father, we ask that you would give us strength each and every day to do your will. Father, as we learn more about the authority that you have given us through Christ Jesus in the coming weeks, Father, we ask that you would open our hearts up to receive what you have for us, to walk in that authority and to understand the authority that Jesus has in our lives when we accept him. And we are so thankful, Father God, that no matter what comes across our paths, no matter what happens, at school or at work or at home, what kind of drama or, or trauma or disaster, whatever comes our way, we have you in our lives, and we are thankful for that, Father. We love you and give you praise, and it's in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, Amen.